Welcome to today's episode of the Plain Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Wes. Well, welcome to today's episode of the Plain Truth Podcast. I'm excited to have a new acquaintance with us today. Her name is Yuko Query, and interesting how we uh, how we connected. Um, Yuko was referred to me from one of our prior guests, Tim Velasco, and as uh, Yuko and I made made contact and kind of started setting up for today's episode, uh, came to be that we have a lot of sim of a uh, mutual acquaintances. So it's kind of reiterates that what a small world aviation is. So I'm excited to hear your story. So Yuka, welcome to the podcast. Ooh, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Glad to have you. Um, you know, as I do with every guest, when we get right into it, you know, tell us your aviation story. How did you get started? Oh boy. Um, it's been quite an adventure when I never had the yen to really want to become a pilot, but my aviation career started as a ground staff agent at San Francisco International. And this was after three years of uh, teaching English in Japan. Uh, this was right out of university. And I realized that I didn't want to go back to school to get my uh, graduate certificate, like a teaching license. Sure. And I didn't feel the pull by the Lord to go into missions. So this was when I came back to the state side. I was living with my folks and my mother kindly found a part-time job reading her Japanese newspaper for uh, a position with a Japanese company at SFO. And so I started working um, the ticketing counter and making announcements at the gate sure. and the lounges. And that's how I started um, dappling in aviation. And I did that for just over a year. Um, it was nice because I could use my language. This was the first time that I really was able to use Japanese. Okay. My mother is Japanese, and I grew up um, bilingual at home, going also to Japanese school. And it was uh, nice to be able to use the culture and the skill that I had um, in a work setting. And let's see. So the ground position was good, but it was part time, you know. Okay. Uh -huh. And I was 25, and I was uh, definitely getting a little complacent. I made my I made my father nervous. Oh. <laughs> I think uh, it was. I enjoyed seeing the airplanes and the procedures, and I had good friends, and I liked my job, but it wasn't going to sustain me. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, uh, how I got into my next job was, uh, my father was, was firm. I think it was out of worry for his daughter okay. that he put, um, an empty suitcase by my foot, by my feet and said, get a full-time job or, uh, get a move on. <laughs> oh wow! So, yeah, but it's, you know, it's, um, it's in that firmness that I know my father really loves me. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was worried. I know my folks are worried because my parents also wanted to move back to Japan. You know, dad was okay. well retired and uh, that helped me look for a full time job. And how that happened was really incredible because while I was a ground staff agent, there was a my Japanese coworker was applying to a, an American major airline for a bilingual speaking position using her Japanese and through the process, I did not have a desire uh, to become a flight attendant, 
but I helped her with the application process and the interviewing, uh, prepped her with her English. Um, and unfortunately, she did not um, make it in her interview. Okay. But um, I, I learned what the process was. And I think when I really needed to find a full-time job, you know, she encouraged me to apply. And okay. a part of me felt a little guilty because my friend didn't get the job that she wanted, but you did. Uh, I, I needed to. I needed to get a move on. Mm. So uh, I applied, and um, I was given. It was given a job as a flight attendant at a major airliner um, using Japanese. So, and that's when I became a flight attendant. Hey, excuse me. And I did this job for about seven years. Okay. Before I took my leave of absence. Okay. Yeah. And let's see here now. So I was based, I got based in Honolulu, Hawaii as a flight attendant. And this, this, this job was really a, a provision from the Lord, even for my parents, because I knew that they were wanting to move. And mm. me getting this position as a flight attendant, uh, being unmarried, my parents got the best travel privileges. So <laughs> okay. they took their privileges and they said, sayonara, kid. Thank you. <laughs> and the Lord has been so good. You know, they're well situated in Japan and they were able to fly uh, up in the front of the plane for, you know, for what it is. Very little. Sure. So my, my parents were tickled pink that I became a flight attendant. And they got there, they got to where they needed to go in their retirement. Nice. So it was when I was based in Honolulu, a lot of the times, you know, I would be serving the Japanese passengers using Japanese. Mm -hmm. And that was wonderful. A majority of my coworkers and my classmates in flight attendant training were native Japanese men and women. Okay. Uh, so I think, you know, growing, when I was growing up, going to two schools was very hard. Uh, I certainly did not enjoy going to Japanese school. Mm. Uh, it was very hard for me. But I know that my mother, uh, and she was tough. She really wanted me to learn her language and uh, do well in it. I think that the, the things that you can't see when you're a kid until you're uh, a more mature adult. Mm -hmm. And I thank my mother and my father for providing for me to go to school in that way, mm. because the Lord has used the language to get me through so many incredible jobs. And I know that the language um, helped me obtain this job as a flight attendant. Mm. And uh, so I'm so thankful. And while I was based in Honolulu, I predominantly flew to Japan and I was able to see some friends there and experience re-experience again the the culture and use the language that was wonderful uh but i didn't i didn't develop the the yen to fly in the airplane really uh, until it just started with a very deep desire on my heart i was on a narita layover <laughs> okay. and i remember i was in my hotel room and all of a sudden i just thought i want to be a pilot i wow. want to fly an airplane Okay. Uh, it's very beyond me, I think. I did not grow up mechanically or, you know, it, into engineering or all that, anything like that. So uh, I was almost very afraid when I developed this desire to want to challenge myself in something like this. Mm -hmm. So 
Uh, I really wrestled with it for a while. Um, first thing I did was I prayed and I prayed and I said, Lord, if this is a, a selfish desire, uh, would you please take it from me? Because I know I could not do this on my own, but I thought, Lord, if this is a desire that is placed by you, then would you please help me? Um, and just to confirm my steps. Right. So, um, and it was through that time of prayer and wrestling and just asking myself a lot of questions and doing a lot of research on flight schools and getting into flying was when the Lord really brought me uh, Christian airline pilots that I was working with. Mm. And that was wonderful. It was, um, we were on a bus, you know, going, going grocery shopping, the hotels would provide that for you. And uh, the pilot that I flew in with, um, we crossed paths and he was sharing about his family and all his, his boys had biblical names. And I said, where did you get those names from? You know, and he goes, oh, they're from the Bible. We're Christian. And so the Lord has been so gracious in providing believing believers uh -huh. uh, to share with me about flying and encourage me with flying. And uh, these pilots encouraged me to take a discovery flight. Uh, so when I got back from Japan, um, I called the local flight school in Honolulu and I was working on a 747. And within three hours of getting back to the islands, I was in my first Piper Cherokee. <laughs> so it was just really incredible how that all just opened the doors. So mm. um, let's see. So my first my first uh, time in a small plane uh, was not very <laughs> enjoyable. I was okay. so nervous. Uh -huh. I was very nervous. And my my then instructor said that I had the death grip, you know, uh -huh. and I had white knuckles. Uh-huh. But uh I I got back down and I started talking to my friend. Um he he's a a, a church um uh, my family in Honolulu. We went to church together and it's my I call her my Hawaii mom. It's okay. My Hawaii mom's brother who worked at a major airliner and retired. Okay. And he encouraged me uh before you sign any paperwork or give up go up one more time, at least one hour, you know, take your time mm -hmm. and try to get the same instructor. And so I did, I was much more comfortable and uh, I decided to get my private. Okay. And then, and this was while I was still a flight attendant. So that was the difficult part is I wanted to keep my job flying as a flight attendant and serving these Japanese passengers. And I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed my job as a flight attendant, mm. but I wanted to pursue my flight training. Sure. So once I got my private, um, I let my brain cool down and I really thought, Lord, do I really want to continue with this or do I just want to be a GA pilot? Mm -hmm. And so I did read in my textbook that you know, a lot of private pilots will get into accidents because they get disoriented in IMC. So I thought, well, if I stick as a GA pilot, I want to be a safe GA pilot. Mm -hmm. So I got my instrument rating. Mm -hmm. And then it was uh, just so easy to just finish up my commercial. So I got my commercial. And 
uh, I just the dominoes kept going. are falling. Yeah. yeah. Just one after another, right? I just, I just absolutely, I kept going and it was challenging because, um, you know, I, uh, a friend kindly said, you know, I'm not an air, I'm not an aviation nerd. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would agree with that. It's not definitely not my natural in- interest or, mm-hmm. um, a, a, like a natural talent that I would have possessed, but it has been really an adventure with the Lord. Mm. And it's the constant confirmation from him and the perseverance uh, in and through him to continue my studies and honor him in my studies Mm. to become a skillful and good and safe pilot. And once I got my commercial single, uh, I was also given a job at an inner island carrier, uh, flying a caravan. And so... This was, um, things have changed since past, but at that time, I was still a full-time flight attendant for a 121 operator. Mm. And this caravan job was a 135. Okay. So I had to talk to HR at my uh, flight attending company. And it was not, uh, back then, it was not a conflict of interest. So I did both. Nice. Um, and it was phenomenal. I learned so much as my first job as a pilot Mm -hmm. while I continued on as a flight attendant. And it was so fun because, you know, flying on the islands, it's, it's a, it's beautiful. It was so stunning Mm -hmm. Uh, seeing all of his creation and his beauty. And we were just spoiled, you know, flying out there. Sure. But uh, what made it fun was at this 135 company, there were other flight attendants um, from other, from another carrier. And we, we knew the drill. We had two schedules to work with. So my flight attendant schedule would come up first. Then I would get the 135 schedule and we would help each other out. Sure. Um, and swapping just try to, and trading, yeah. swapping and trading and just trying to make things work. Cause here's yeah. a bunch of us flight attendants who, who wanted to become pilots. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, that was a wonderful time, but this was when I was still kind of wrestling because I, I really enjoyed my job as a flight attendant. And even though I was flying as a, as a pilot in our island, uh, in a caravan, I didn't know fully if I wanted to become a pilot full time or if that's what the, the Lord wanted for me or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, so that's why I dappled in both. I really did not know what to do. Mm-hmm. But my company uh, started a, a program where employees could become their pilot. And I had applied and there was, it was a, we did the interviews and, you know, the cognitive exams and things like that. And uh, God opened the door and I was, a, I was accepted a position into this program. And um, during that time when I was praying about it, I thought, okay, Lord, if if I if I am awarded this position in a program to become a pilot for our company, then I will know that you will want me to do this mm-hmm. full full throttle, full speed ahead. Sure. And so when I got it, um, I had peace in my heart to take a leave of absence from my flight attending to pursue piloting full time. Okay. And that took me to uh, I moved from Honolulu to Vero Beach, Florida. Uh, the program stipulated that I work from specific flight schools, and the one in Vero Beach was one of them. 
So this is where I obtained uh, my instructor certificates and my multi-ad. Okay. And I uh, instructed there for a year plus. And now I am in Utah. <laughs> We're flying a, a 175. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, has been, it has been an adventure. I think looking back, um, it has been, the Lord has really used aviation uh, to exercise my faith and draw me closer to him. Um, he really, to me, it really feels like he took a fish out of water uh, to make into a pilot. And I think that's where I hope I can be encouraging to, to folks who may have had the same challenges that I've had and even failure, where you really question whether this is the right thing for you or not, you know, mm-hmm. the right job or whatnot. Right. But the so, Lord so, has really used the flying to draw me closer to him. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's oh, no, I'm listening. Story. No, I was just going to take a little little tangent and mm. ask if you'd like to share your salvation story. You know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another interesting one. Yeah. Um, this I also owe thanks to my father. <laughs> <laughs> because dad, my dad. Um, so my dad is Caucasian American. You know, he he grew up in Oregon. My mother okay. is Japanese. Um, he grew up as a believer. My mother accepted Jesus in the marriage, but she has then fallen away. Mm. Um, but my father, he has a quiet and deep faith. And I saw that manifested growing up. You know, even when it's tough, when the spouse does not believe anymore, my father was patient and loving Mm. and um, he made an impact in my salvation, too. And how that came about was this was my freshman year of high school, starting high school. My mother was in Japan taking care of her mother. Dad was at work and I was home by myself. Um, I'm an only child. I have no siblings. So I've learned to just kind of, you know, do whatever and keep myself entertained. And I used to watch uh, black and white movies back to back, back when uh, AMC used to be good. You know, they had all those great movies. Uh And dad came home and he usually doesn't ask what I did. You know, he's like, how was your day? And I go, oh, it's good. But dad said, what did you do today? And I go, oh, no. I thought, I cannot tell a lie. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I told him, I said, oh, dad, I just watched Doris Day all day. And he got, he was so upset that a perfectly healthy teenager was sitting on their bum the whole day. Mm. Uh, and so what he did was he called the local retirement home and said he had a teenage daughter that would love to volunteer. So um, that's how... That's the start of my salvation story was I accepted Jesus Christ through a nursing home. <laughs> and wow. um, yeah. And so, see, I'm so thankful to my father. Sometimes he can be firm, but it is out of love mm-hmm. and he gets me moving. And sounds like a very wise man. Yes, he is. Yes, he is my father um, and very loving. Mm-hmm. But at this retirement home was where the Lord really, it was an Alzheimer's nursing home. Okay. So, you know, as a young teenager, everything was felt very out of place and I felt uncomfortable. And, but through it, the Lord was so gracious. 
The activities director, Connie, her name was, Connie uh, was a strong believer. And she knew that I grew up in the church and I considered myself a Christian, but I knew of the Lord. I knew Jesus was my God, but I didn't really understand what that meant. Okay. And so Connie, I saw her care for people. And that was where, you know, and all I did was, uh, uh, what I did was I, I called the bingo numbers every day, Monday through Friday. Okay. And I cut the, cut up their food, you know, and helped help them eat. And I painted the ladies' nails. Um, and we did Bible studies together. And it was through that daily repetition of being with uh, these people who would not remember me or remember my name um, that I really developed a, a deep care for them. And one day Connie, Connie asked, you know, would you, she knew I was Christian, but she's like, may I pray for you? And she got this little bottle of oil out of her purse and she kind of put it on my head and she prayed for me. And this lady, Kathy, uh, she was in her eighties then. And she, she was very, she had very strong dementia, but she picked out a rose in the garden and she wanted to give it to me. I remember walking home that day. This was after a few weeks of volunteering. And I thought, I thought, I love these people and they are strangers to me. But how, mm. how, how do I love them so much? And then I thought, it is because the love that Christ showed me on the cross. The only way that I can love anybody is because God loves me. That is mm -hmm. my source of all love is from mm -hmm. the Lord. And it just was, to me, it was mind boggling that I could genuinely love somebody outside of my family. Right. And I remember walking home that evening and I was just surrounded in God's peace. Um, I, I could see cars driving by on the road, but I could not hear them. I couldn't hear the cars and it was so quiet. I remember what the skies looked like at dusk. I remember the pinks and the lavenders and the clouds. And I looked up and I was 14 and I remember in my heart, I said, Jesus, I want to walk with you for the rest of my life. Um, and from then on was the following year I was baptized and God has just been, um, enabling me to love people mm. and, uh, grow into a deeper knowledge and relationship with him. So, you know, and then all through high school, every Friday I would call the bingo numbers. I still kept going. Um, I love them so much. And God used my time at that Alzheimer's nursing home because my Japanese grandmother developed severe dementia. So I, I had been exposed to it and I've seen um, varieties of dementia and how they treat people and they needed to be treated and loved. And so, mm -hmm. you know, God was gracious and just to preparing my mind and my heart for my Japanese grandma to change and in it that I could help my mom um, understand things that were going on. So that's how I accepted the Lord. So I was a long story, no, it's but great. it was, um, it was God teaching me how to love um, and the understanding where that love comes from, ultimately where it comes from and how thankful I am to my father <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> again. Mm. Yeah. Right. I like how you've, 
earlier you've said that it's almost, it made me kind of think of Gideon even, like just laying out fleece after fleece of like, mm-hmm. you know, God, if this is how, if this is where you want me to be, if this is a career you want me to have, mm-hmm. you know, that I truly need you to continue to reveal that to me and to mm-hmm. provide and to, you know, show me the next step. And, yeah. and it's, uh, it's it's a very refreshing attitude of of life of realizing that that God and we were ironically we were actually studying this in our home Bible study last night just of how God is so good and His love for us is so great mm-hmm. that despite our our missteps, despite as you mentioned earlier failures, despite mm-hmm. uncertainty whatever you know comes into our lives god is so good and covers us in ways we never see and is using that f- to guide us using circumstances in our lives to guide us to exactly where he wants us to be and it's always mm-hmm. for our good and mm-hmm. just to remember it's always for our good even when we don't see it like how many how many worship songs have we heard that talk about that <laughs> you know mm-hmm. even when we don't I see know. you working <laughs> you know yes and, uh, and god yes mm-hmm. i'm sorry no no go ahead no and you know god works through the hardest of circumstances like that suitcase story i shared with you uh-huh. that my father did he doesn't i i said thank you for that when i when i grew up some i said thanks for doing that dad and he doesn't remember it Oh, um, wow. yeah, but I couldn't sleep that night. <laughs> mm. Um, but I think things like that where, uh, through, through either parents or other believers that we get the right kind of guidance, um, right. and also encouragement because, you know, there, there may be people like me who did not grow up with aviation on their minds, um, nor had pilots in their, in their family. Uh, and this is all very difficult, and it still continues to be challenging. Um, even uh, the 175 is a beautiful plane, and mm-hmm. I'm very spoiled to be in it. But uh, understanding it is still very challenging. Oh, uh, yes. So many varieties and automation. That's still I'm still wrapping my head around it. You know. Yes. And the I... captains are all teaching me different techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's understanding, am I getting the plane to do what I want it to do? Mm-hmm. And am I learning it in a way that I know how to do it well? You know, mm-hmm. And uh, that has been, it's been good learning. The learning never stops. And especially when there's, you know, failure in an exam or a poor flight, um, the, the doubt creeps in. And then you start losing confidence or just spiraling down mentally thinking that if this is what I'm supposed to do, and that's okay question. I think it's totally valid asking yourself if this is what Lord, am I meant to do this, you know, or continue on, Mm -hmm. but it's also being very aware of the enemy's tactics because when you start doubting or when you are weak, especially in your mind, that the enemy can plant lies, you know, and he, he is the father of lies and he is so deceitful. Um, and he knows when you are weak and what makes you weak. So oh, yes. in it, I think using scripture, 
reading about God's promises and seeing his faithfulness through everything that God has, you know, everything that has happened, whether it's success or challenge and failure, Mm -hmm. that the Lord has been so faithful and not forgetting that. And the people, the Christian pilots that I have met who has given me the skill and the encouraging words uh, from scripture that reminds me that um, to continue, that I, I need to persevere because I know that this is what the Lord has given me mm-hmm. um, and not give up. I think the bottom line is not give up. Um, I do think about that sometimes where I, I wonder if it would be easier you know, to be a flight attendant, go back to flight attending, or if there's another challenge, I have a, a backup, you know, mm-hmm. start thinking like that, but that's not right either. No. You know, that no. may be a reality that I can still go back to flight attending, but that's not the right mind to right. be in where I am now. Right. So, um, right. Yeah. Because that's a decision. That's a thought process that is generated out of fear. That is correct. And that is, that is never what correct. God wants us to do. Yes. Um, and in my quiet time a couple of days ago, oftentimes I do my quiet time while I'm out on a jog. I listen mm. to um, podcasts and sermons and things like that. But it it led me to after the podcast, I turned on uh, Casting Crowns is probably one of my favorite mm-hmm. Christian bands. And they have a song called The Voice of Truth. Maybe you're mm, aware I of do it. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that song just came into my mind as I was running. It's like, I need to listen to that. And, and it just really solidified the truth of, of exactly what you're talking about, how Satan knows, the enemy knows the things that trigger us, that yeah. triggers our minds. And it just dawned on me that that's why we've got to know the voice of truth. Mm-hmm. That's why we've got to know, to be able to hear it and recognize Jesus's voice, the Holy Spirit's leading in our hearts. And be able to put aside all the other distractions and, as you mentioned, the lies, and just focus on the voice of truth and realizing that there's nothing else I need to listen to. And that includes me. I don't need to listen to me either. I Mm -hmm. need to just listen to the voice of truth. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And it's, it's, that's what's so important is that, um, you know, a hundred, even a hundred Christians can say a hundred different things. Yeah. But God, we need to listen to the Lord and what He says. And that's another thing about identity is that we recently spoke, talked to through FCAP with uh, Tim in our group in Salt uh-huh. Lake uh-huh. about our identity in Christ uh-huh. and how how He has created us. Maybe not the way we're raised or what people have told us or what we think we are, but what who God says we are, and the power that we possess within us by the Spirit and how we are to live that out. And I think AV, things like, it can be anything, but God put me on an aviation journey. Um, it's through, God used aviation in a way to teach me who I am as his creation um, and to trust him and to grow in truth in him. Uh, I think it's also just kind of the sanctification um, happens through through any means. But um, it has definitely been a way that I'm learning more about my faith and who I am is through all of this flying mm-hmm. um, that he's given me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I have a couple of buddies that are airline pilots as well and uh, that are and that are believers. And when we're together, sometimes, you know, we just marvel 
again in the incredible blessings of this career. Mm-hmm. Um, the uniqueness and and the you know the incredible things we get to do. I mean, our our office has the best view in the world. I know. Right? Right? I know. And and how many times you know flying at night and seeing shooting stars. You know, flying like yesterday, I was flying over the Caribbean down to San Juan and just Mm -hmm. seeing the the turquoise water and the beautiful islands and Mm -hmm. and the diversity of God's creation. It's like one day we could be over the ocean, the other day we could be flying over the Rockies and and just how diverse God's creation is. Yes. And what an incredible uh, view we have. Mm-hmm. And that is what I love, Wes, is when I even started flying, you know, in the, the Cherokees and mm-hmm. whatnot, I just knew that I want to fly a little higher. Mm-hmm. I said, Lord, I want to see you from a little bit higher. And when I'm in the jet and when we're at the flight levels, we see his beauty Oh, yeah. And who he is in his handiwork. And when I see those colors and the sky, it just reaffirms just how how beautiful he mm-hmm. is and how majestic and powerful he is. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love experiencing his joy up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted to be... I know he's with us everywhere, but that was just another desire was not to continue this journey, but to experience him up there. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, it, it, it kind of, it's just kind of a silly analogy or example of, of what it makes. When I was a little kid, I would play with matchbox cars in the backyard mm-hmm. in the dirt. And I would use my little fingers to build little tunnels and little bridges and roads in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, my small little fingers and I contrast that to when we're flying, as you mentioned, at, at the flight at the flight levels. You know, there's mountain ranges that, especially like in the Northeast, that stretch through Pennsylvania and West Virginia, Virginia, kind of the Appalachian. And mm-hmm. and every time I fly over those those ridges, I just think that was that that was God's little finger. He was mm-hmm. just drawing. He just dragged his little finger and cut those ridges mm-hmm. and cut that mountain and those valleys because that's how big he is. Yeah. <laughs> that's how big he is. That he yeah. can just with you know, and I and I think the same thing about flying out west and seeing the canyons and you know, the majesty of his creation. And I look mm-hmm. at that and I go, How in the world could mm-hmm. someone not look at this and not be in awe and not not acknowledge that that there's a creator yeah and he has a name and he has a name you know Mm -hmm. romans chapter one says Mm -hmm. that even creation in and of itself is testimony of the greatness of god Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh what a perspective we get every day we get to fly to see that Yes. Absolute blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 It is special. I'm very thankful mm-hmm, to be here. Mm-hmm. Where I am. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask, you know, I was going to ask one of the other questions, you know, has, has aviation taught you anything about God in and of himself? Oh, oh boy. There's a bunch. Um, I think. Well, first is, you know, trusting him. 
And in the way he provides, I think I have ultimately seen, and this was through me needing a full-time job, becoming a flight attendant, through challenges as a pilot, um, the Lord the Lord sends me help when mm-hmm. I need it. And these are these can be Christian pilots, Christian instructors that have given me so much time and grace uh, to get me to where I need to be and to get me to the next step. So ultimately, it is love. I see God's love manifested um, in people all mm-hmm. around the world. And just how how great he is, and even if it's me, just one person, just how how loved I am, mm-hmm. um, and how he cares for me, um, and strengthens me. And going back to identity, you know, when we've spoken about challenges and failure, when you feel that um, if it's even worth continuing on or doubting yourself, is through prayer. Um, what I've learned of who God is, is what he says about me in the Bible, is he manifests his strength in me and pers- has a persevering spirit that gives, you know, ultimately character and hope mm-hmm. um, and all of these things that can be seen in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and he is the one that I need to lean on. So uh, in aviation, I see the depth and the facets of his character more. I think ultimately that's what I've learned. Um, and, and sometimes that the different facets of the character that I see and we see in scripture, I just learn more deeply, um, and through different trials. And, um, I think that, you know, God in trials, we are promised in this life. We are absolutely promised. And that can be, uh, that can be experienced in different ways by different folks. Mm-hmm. For me, it can be in aviation or in family, but God, um, God ultimately sh- no, shows that, you know, I am strong in him mm-hmm. and I am smart and he, he gives me what I need. Um, again, the enemy and even people will say poor things to you and right. make you doubt yourself. And there are people like that. And I have, um, been with them but it's when you see those people it's knowing that no that is not true this is who god says that i am and it's truly believing that and just uh keep keep being diligent um in who he is not what i am and what my limits are and what i'm capable of but because god is god is already victorious in the ultimate way that we know mm-hmm. and he can he can we recruit we have that power we have that power by the spirit so it's learning about that more mm-hmm. that in my ultimate weakness that it is god's strength that is manifested in me and keeps me going um, and in the perseverance there is that ultimate goal right. um, and and we wanting wanting really to be to be more like him right mm-hmm. right well you have a fascinating story Awesome. And and I think I think you are so well equipped um, from your flight. You know, you're you you have an experience in aviation that most pilots will never have because you've seen. Oh, Wes, it. you're cutting out. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you Let hear me? me? Make sure. Yeah, I can hear you just oh, fine. Oh, okay, good, good, good. There? I can hear yeah. you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you have 
you have experience that most pilots will never have. You've seen the industry from being a gate agent to being a flight attendant and now as being a pilot. And that has that will serve you so well in in decision making in processing uh, you know challenges as they come up and and I think those are gifts that God has given you to very well equip you for what he has planned for you in the future. Mm. I know oftentimes you know we have conversations in the cockpit about how to best um, relate to and service, if you will, um, our cabin crew, mm-hmm. you know, and there's kind of, you know, it's that, that cockpit door is kind of a barrier in, in many ways. And, mm-hmm. and oftentimes, you know, we don't know um, what it's like to be a flight attendant. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that creates, at least for me personally, it's like sometimes I don't know how best to relate to the flight attendants. And to help them in their job, I try to always be very supportive and back them up, you know, but sometimes just, you know, it can be a challenge because it's so unfamiliar, but, but you have that experience and you know, and I I think that's just an incredible blessing for you. Mm, I do care. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I know we all care. I know we all care, but when it gets bumpy, I, I, I think about, you know, it's hard out there and it's a different, it's a different skill. You're working with people and sometimes difficult folks and, um, oh yeah, I definitely get it. You know, when they call and say they're not, I say, oh, you're not restocked. I'll call ops, you know, Uh uh or if it's bumpy, just really being mindful of the passengers and the crew, because I know what it's like to get knocked around back there. Right. Um, so yeah. And it's been so neat that, um, you know, God worked in very, you know, working on character and things like that in a spiritual sense. But from being a gate agent to flight attending and piloting, um, I know, I know the effort it takes to push back one airplane Mm. and the people who are involved. And a lot of times it's the people who we cannot see, the public cannot see. Right. Um, and that has been special. The, the, the complexity of an operation to just get one airplane going and oh, to be a incredible. part of that. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It's a wonder it's any just, airplane ever gets off the gate. Yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> but, I mean, things have to align so perfectly and the teamwork that's involved is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that has been really fun to be a part of and to witness. Mm. Um, and I definitely respect each individual role. Um you know, even within the same company, the different uh, staff positions that we have, like there, mm-hmm. everybody is needed. Everybody has yeah. a role to get this plane going um, yeah. and, and to come back safely. Uh, so that has been fun. Yeah. That has been really special to see. Mm-hmm. I, I know in my, in, in my experience, I used to fly for an organization that was small and and we as the pilots had to do everything. So we mm. we were the mechanics one day, then we were, you know, the the rampers, we were loading the baggage, loading the cargo, mm-hmm. and then we would hop in the airplane and fly it and then 
you know, in crews, now we're the flight attendants and making sure everybody's okay. Oh, wow. You know, so yeah. we had to do it. We had to do it all, you know. And because of that experience, there's so many times I catch myself and I'm like, I am so thankful that mm-hmm. we have rampers. I'm so mm-hmm. thankful we have gate agents and flight attendants because, you know, th- there's the old adage that many hands make light work, you know. And you're right. It is such this this massive moving organism that if <laughs> if one if one aspect of it falls off the rails then it just it just goes bad mm-hmm, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but but when it works and everybody's doing their part it you're right the the teamwork and it has just really made me more appreciative yeah. of, of all the people and it really teaches me too it keeps it keeps my my you know i don't know if it's if it's ego or pride but it keeps me in check and it helps me think of how you know just thinking about being grateful and thankful mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. for all these people and what they do mm-hmm. because oh my goodness you know could you imagine if we had to load you know a hundred and something people's baggage every time. And if we had to unload the airplane when we got yeah. to our destination and we yeah. had to fuel it and mm-hmm. do all our own paperwork, but we have this whole army of people behind us mm-hmm. that really makes mm-hmm. our job easy. I mean, dispatchers and, you know, air traffic controllers. I mean, the whole system, it's, it's just amazing. It's, yes. it's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish that could be shown in like a documentary or something, you know, like every everybody that's a part of, you know, aviation, and just how how big it is and how intricate it is. It really is. It really is something special. Right. Right. And I think that would be good for the public, because then they could understand, you know, when when things do fall off the rails, they Mm -hmm. know why. Yeah. (laughs) And to be able to understand how, you know, my, my favorite one is, you know, the flights delayed because of weather. And they're like, it's perfectly clear here. Well, yeah, but, you know, have you seen the weather on the other side of the country? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and for them to realize how, you know, weather in California can affect the flight operations in Florida. Because oh, they yeah. did. And it's all related. Yes, it is. And the traveling public doesn't understand that. It'd be good. Yeah. I like yeah. your idea of a documentary. Uh, that would be cool i hope there's a lot of the fog would dispel from disgruntled passengers yes that's right (laughs) (laughs) that's very true that's very true Mm. Mm. so as you've gotten into your career so you've been flying for how long now i have been flying since i started my flight training that was i think end of or end of 2015 so total of six plus years all right. Six, seven years. Yeah. Um, it took a long time back when I was a flight attendant to get what I needed to get done. Uh, just cause you know, sometimes I would fly once a week or twice a week and it just wasn't consistent enough. Mm-hmm. So it really dragged out, but I have been at my present company. I've been flying uh, this plane for about three and a half months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I spent about a little under two years um, flying the ERJ one seventy five. Oh, okay. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I too found it to be a very challenging airplane. Of course, I I came to it from flying DC threes that were built in 1941. Oh, so, was that through MAF? <laughs> Missionary Flights International. Oh, okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Back. With Excuse with me. Kenny. Okay. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, you know, when you have, you know, a 60 plus year jump in technology, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the 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 ERJ was very challenging for me. You know, uh-huh. the automation. And I have a, a friend who said, you know, one of the most important things about flying that airplane is being able to master the automation. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is hard. And to be able to think about what the airplane is doing, which, you know, is situational awareness mm-hmm. and being able through automation to manage the airplane and have it do what you want to do. I think you had alluded to that. Earlier. Yeah, yeah, and that was a big struggle for me because I'm like, you know, flight level change. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and- <laughs> or magenta, or yes. green, yeah. or its parameters, and why FPA is better than this and that. Yeah, and, yeah. and it depends on the circumstance. It's, right. That's the hard part. Is they teach you one thing in sim, and the sim is like the dream world, right? Mm-hmm. You get your dream. Everything is very cookie cutter. Uh-huh. But then in the real life, in real life, it's just so different. So. I liked I liked what Tim kindly said. Is I said I'm learning all this technique by all these captains, and I'm trying to learn. And he he says death. It could be death by technique. So <laughs> I need to pick something, you know. Yes. And I'm learning that. I'm learning yeah. to choose what I can do, and then understand its variety. You know. Yes. Oh, maybe there are times when I don't use this, right. and this is better. Right. Um. And right. then. Worst case, if the plane's not doing something, it didn't capture the glide slope because I didn't do right. something. I disengage. It's mostly it visual right now, thank goodness. You uh-huh. know, it's, I'm still in VMC, but yeah, disengage the autopilot and fly it like I I did in the past. That's right, and it and it works. Yes, it does. Because um, and that the, has been the nice thing. Because at mm-hmm. the heart of it, it's still just an airplane. Yes. And so, yeah, I. I learned that lesson pretty early too. It's like, Mm. I don't know what this airplane is doing, but I know if I just fly it, put my hands on it and fly it like an airplane, then I know what to do. Yeah. (laughs) It really is like flying a computer. I mean, even my last captains, it kind of slipped his tongue and he's like, yeah, this computer, he goes, no, this airplane, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I'm from, I'm from a a town called Sunnyvale in California. And that's really the heart of Silicon Valley. Okay. But I joke and say I'm low tech from Silicon Valley. So all of this is very, very hard. <laughs> I'm low tech from Silicon Valley. Oh my gosh. But um, yeah, so it's been challenging. You know, mm-hmm. again, it's just beyond what I grew up with. But yeah, um, God, God gives me the practice that I need and the wonderful captains who are kind mm-hmm. to just teach me different things and right. um, how I implement it in different ways. And rereading the procedures in the manuals and um when things click uh it's it's a treat yes it, it has been nice and it is a uh gosh it is just a beautiful plane to fly it as is. a first jet it mm-hmm. is phenomenal yes yes mm-hmm. i i greatly enjoyed my time flying it mm-hmm. and ironically enough you know i'm in the airbus now and it was a great platform to shift to transition into the Airbus. Mm, mm-hmm. It really actually made the transition pretty easy. 
oh, I'm so glad because that's what I want to fly someday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The Airbus is awesome. Yeah, oh, there's okay. there's a lot of Airbus in the in the 175 in its mm, yeah, okay. in its in its platform. Yeah, you'll see a lot of similarities. Terms are different, but mm -hmm. the function is the same. Mm, interesting. Well, yep. that's good. So, yeah. So, you know, hopefully that that works out for you in the future and you'll go, "Ah, I know what this means. It's just yeah. a different term." You know, it's just a different term, but it's this or it's that. Yes. And it's like, yes. yeah, you'll, you'll transition very, very easily. Oh, good. That would be nice. Yes. Yes. I will cry less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I understand uh -huh. that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of phone calls to friends going, what does this mean? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. But um, it's been fun. Yeah. It has been. It has been a great, great journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Yuko, it has been awesome having you um, with us today. I love your mm -hmm. story. Uh, it's so unique. And um, you know, what a blessing to have um, a godly father who, yes. who loved you so much and mm -hmm. set you on a path that our heavenly father used. Mm -hmm. And no doubt he's working in your life. Mm -hmm. Thank no you doubt. so much. Yeah. Thank you. I'm I'm thankful to both parents who have been so supportive of me. Yeah. Um yeah, mom and dad. Um and thank you. Thank you so much for uh yeah, having me today and it's been really fun to share what the Lord has been doing. It's quite a testimony and mm -hmm. as we were praying beforehand, you know, I really hope that that it is an encouragement to somebody who comes across our podcast and and listen to it. I think you have an incredible story. And it's really neat to see what God is doing in your life. And we'll be continuing to pray for you and Thank you. pray for what's coming next and for the Lord to continue to lead you and guide you and, um, and for his, just his hand upon your family as well. Mm, thank you so much, Wes. I appreciate it. Thank you You're very welcome. much. Well, again, thanks for joining us and we'll hope, hopefully we'll stay in touch and maybe have you on again when you, uh, when the next step comes. Oh, thank you. That'd be great. Thank you <laughs> so right. much. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Yuko. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Plain Truth Podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to come back next week for more discussions and stories about God's Word and the amazing world of aviation. Until next time, set your course straight and stay on track. Thank you.